what I'm talking about. It's a great day. Great, great, great day. I love the Christmas season and time and a lot of opportunity to, as they were just talking about, about giving and sowing into people's lives. Just a great, great time of year. And uh, just look for those opportunities. Don't let good opportunities pass you by to be able to, to give and to sow and to be a blessing to other people because there's lots and lots of opportunities because they are everywhere. People everywhere are hungry. They're looking for truth. They're looking for something that's real. And when you have it and it's on the inside of you and, and the people come across your path, just be open and ready. It's not everybody for your life. You're not called to everybody. But God does desire for people that are sent across your path for you to be open and ready and prepared to minister life to them. So just really be aware of that this Christmas season. Amen? We thank God for the Word. Amen? We thank God for His Word being preached and, and very thankful f- for the Word that God has ministered to me through the years. You know, we, we, don't, we don't come to church or just show up at church just to show up. It's not just something else to do because you don't have anything else to do. Uh, everybody's got something else to do. But church life is about the Word. And ultimately, the reason that we come together is to encourage others, to encourage each other to be connected to something that's bigger than we are. And, and that thing that's bigger than we are is the revelation of God's Word. Jesus said, On this rock I will build my church that the gates of hell cannot and shall not and will not prevail against. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the rock of revelation of who Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are. And that revelation not just being in one person, but being in everybody. And the reason that we are, quote, the church is so that we can together accomplish in the earth what Jesus accomplished when he was here as one person. We don't know Jesus anymore after the flesh uh, of the, the, the person that he was and that died and rose again on the third day. Now we know him through that same revelation and the same spirit that was in him residing in us. Now we know him through one another, through our connection with one another. Because all of us are a piece of him. And all the pieces together make up the body of Jesus Christ. And, and that's a local congregation, that's in our homes, that's the church worldwide. But, but God has a picture and a plan for in the earth, His glory and His presence and His power and His dominion to be seen through people. Not in the sky or in the clouds or, you know, um, in a tortilla or something, you know. It's not, it's not God being seen in something. It's God being revealed in the hearts of people and then being seen one to another. And, and I, I tell you, it's, it, it's, it, it just amazes me all the time how important it is for that revelation to be real so that we have something when people come in our lives and in our presence. It may happen in a phone call. 
You may get a phone call from somebody, and in that moment, you have the answer to give them something. It may not just be in a phone call, it may be, you know, just passing by someone and, and somebody needs something. You may meet somebody in a restaurant somewhere, and, and you have something that they need. I mean, God wants us to be ready in season and out of season. He wants us to always be ready to, to give an account and, and be ready to give a right word in season that will bring sustenance to people's lives. And it will. I mean, that, that it happened to me at different times before I knew God. And as I was you know, growing and, and even as I got born again, God sent people across my path to give me things that I needed. And God wants us to be able to do that one another. We don't need to be always depending on someone else. We want to be there for others. Amen. This is a great time of the year and a season that really is, uh, you know, it's a reminder of that. It's the season of giving. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. How many like to receive? I do. I like to receive. But the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give. Why? Because giving produces receiving. We give to receive to do what? To give. To do what? Receive to give. And on and on and on, back and forth, back and forth. The Bible says, as long as heaven and earth is intact, so is seed time and harvest time. Giving and receiving, it's intact. God created the world to operate on giving and receiving. And if all we do is live our lives, you know, oh, I need to receive or I need this, need, 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 focus on me, 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 me. It messes up the flow that God set up to operate in the earth. You have a part to play. And it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So every time you receive, be thankful, but look for more opportunities to give. Because I'm telling you, your receiving is in your giving. Amen. So, we're in a series. Um, this is our third message in the series, uh, The Source of All Fear. Um, I'm... I'm I'm really passionate about this series, and, and I, I mean, we're going we're gonna to hit this from every direction, and I don't, I don't know how many messages we're going to bring on this, but, but <clears throat> fear, fear is such a destructive force, fear is, and, and, and yet, and I mean, we, we have to be aware of this because I think a lot of people, a lot of people believe and have been taught in life that fear in some ways is a good thing. It's good to be afraid of something so that it won't hurt you. We've, I think we've all been taught in different ways. But the Bible is very clear that fear, fear is not from God. And, and, and I want to talk this morning about the different levels or types of fear. We, we, last two weeks we've talked about the source of fear and where fear came from. But I want to talk about the different types of fear and, and really what is the fuel for fear. The fuel for fear. And the Bible's real clear on this. And, and, and yet we've got to take enough time to really dissect this because I, I just have to say even in the Christian world most people don't really understand what I'm fixing to talk about today 
um, they don't really understand what fuels fear. I mean, we think, we think, okay, you know, I shouldn't be afraid of that or I shouldn't be afraid of this or, you know, we, 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 we kind of categorize things and, well, at least I'm not afraid of this. But, but no fear is good. If fear is not from God and we want everything that God has for us, then we've got to learn to resist and give no place to any type of fear or any level of fear. Because there are different levels of fear. And there are different levels of fear for each individual person. One person could be afraid of the dark. Well, that's a level of fear that's, that's trying to overtake a certain person. Well, another person may be not afraid of the dark. But they're afraid of somebody hurting them or robbing them or stealing from them or breaking in their house or whatever it would be. So from one person to the next, the levels of fear are different. And so we're just going to address that, look at the Scripture, because you know, we know for a fact that the Bible will tell us everything that we need to know. Every answer for every issue in life is in this book. Every answer is here. Amen? Psalm 34, we read this in the last two services. I just kind of a foundational scripture. I want to read this. I will bless the Lord when everything's good. <clears throat> I will bless the Lord when I feel like it. No? It says, I will bless the Lord how often? At all times. And His praise shall continually be in my mouth. His praise shall be where? In my mouth. That means you've got to say something. I know some people that say, well, you know, I, I, I praise God, but silently. It's not scriptural. Well, but you know, I mean, not everybody's just outgoing. Well, you need to learn to be outgoing. You, you need to learn to get past it. Because the Bible says, continually give praise to God and let that praise be in your mouth. Everybody say, my mouth. Well, I, however, I mean, you know, I, I promise you, I promise you, if I'm at a Spurs game, hmm, praise for the Spurs are in my mouth. Well, I just, I'm just not emotional at Spurs games. No, I can kind of be a little ungodly at Spurs games. <clears throat> I have to watch myself. I have to control my emotions, Right? So, you can let your praise for whoever or whatever you like be in your mouth. Well, the Bible says, the Bible says this. I have to purpose to bless the Lord. Not the Lord, you know, trying to stir me up and pound on me. No, I have to do that. And I have to make sure that praise is continually in my mouth for God. How often is continually? It's like, Always. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Watch this, verse 4. I sought the Lord. He heard me and did what? He delivered me from all of my fears. All of my fears. He delivered me from all of my fears. You know, you know that 
you know that some people, um, I, I got, I, I wasn't real close to either set of my grandparents when I was growing up. They're, we just, our family and our world, there was just no connection there. I didn't hardly even knew my grandparents very little and spent very little time with them. When I met my wife, um, I got connected to her grandparents, especially the ones that lived in South Texas, and uh, really developed a relationship with them that has really affected my life in a really positive way. And uh, they're both gone now, and I'll just use them as an example. It's not a bad example, it's just, it's just a matter-of-fact thing. But um, her grandfather was, you know, I mean, the man could do anything. He, he had a farm, and he, he raised cattle, and he... And he, and he, uh, I'd go down when he'd have hay baled, and you know, he, I remember probably in his about 70s, you know, he was throwing bales of hay on a tractor, you know. After about three hours, I was sucking wind, and and he was just at 70 years old doing more than I could do because I'd never thrown bales up on a, on a tractor, and I mean, on a trailer, and then hauling it in and putting it in the barn and doing all that kind of stuff. And so I, I, I learned, I mean, the man could do anything. But he was, he was afraid of large cities. He was afraid of large cities. He was, he was afraid of doing something or going places outside of his world. He was afraid of it. Um, you know... People at an older age that maybe, you know, when it got popular, I guess maybe in the, in the 60s, I guess it got popular to fly on airplanes more. I mean, you know, people flew for years before that, but I think the public began to, in the 60s, if, if I'm not right, if I'm not mistaken, begin to fly on airplanes. Well, people that weren't accustomed to flying airplanes wouldn't fly. And I knew people personally that were just scared out of their wits in fear of flying in an airplane. There's a lot of people, maybe some of you that are sitting in here today, that you've had fears of flying in an airplane. David here said in, in Psalm 34, I sought the Lord, and the Lord heard me, and He delivered me from all of my fears. All of my fears. All of them. Because there's something that fuels the fear that a person would have of a big city, Something that fuels the fear that someone ha would have about flying in an airplane. There's something that fuels fear that someone, you know, would have of, of I mean, some people even like leaving their house. Some people are like hermits in their house and they can't come out because they're afraid of being outside. People that are afraid of automobiles that, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to get in that car and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. I, I, my stepbrother's aunt she, she had an old 63 Impala. And I mean, she, she bought it years ago. She's passed now. And uh, she bought it brand new. And um, the last I remember when she died and my, my brother got the car, uh, it, I think it was in, in the early 2000s that there was about 20,000 miles on that car because she was afraid to drive. 63 Impala was bought brand new, and however many years, 30-some-odd years later, there's 20,000 miles on the car. She never drove it. She very rarely ever left the house. Why? For some reason, she was afraid 
that she's going to get in a wreck or something bad was going to happen. So there's all types of fears, but, but when David sought the Lord, what happened? The Lord delivered him. When he got close to God in his relationship with God, God delivered him of how, how, how many fears? All fear, not just some fears, not just the ones that were the bigger ones or the ones that are really working on you, but all fear. Because fear is not from God. It's not of God. It, wasn't, it didn't originate from God. And, and God delivered David of all fear. Well, that's a good thing. And that's good for David, but what about you and I? Right? So, let's look in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, in the second chapter. And we're, we're going to, in the next few messages that we preach on, we'll, we'll, we're, we're going to focus on this because this is probably the most important Scripture, at least in this series, to get the understanding and the revelation of. Hebrews 2 and verse 14. Very, very important that we understand this. Um, we talked about in the last two services where fear originated from. There was no fear in the earth until Adam and Eve did what? They sinned. They disobeyed. Right? They disobeyed God. God said, everything's yours. All authority and dominion I've given to you. Everything's yours. Just don't mess with the tree in the middle. Don't mess with the fruit. Don't eat the fruit there. So they disobeyed God. God went looking for them. And they were hid. And God said, where are you? And they said, well, we hid because we were afraid. Well, they said, we hid because we were naked. And we were afraid. But they really weren't hiding because they were naked. They were hiding because they sinned. Right? And so, what Adam and Eve started there in the garden is where all fear originated from. And if we don't understand where fear originated from, then we'll remain in fear. And then you'll make decisions out of fear. You'll live your life receiving things that are fear-based that you don't have to receive. You'll find yourself living your life not experiencing what God wants you to experience, but what fear wants to do in your life and how fear wants to control everything that you do. I'm telling you today, based on what we're going to read right here, and I, we, we confess this in the last two messages, I'm saying today over you that fear does not and will not have dominion over your life. How many can say amen to that? Fear will not have dominion over your life. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, He, Jesus, Himself, likewise, shared in the same. The same what? Flesh and blood. Body. Jesus didn't come to the earth to become the Son of God. He already was the Son of God. He came to the earth to become the Son of Man. He became our elder brother. He became to be the one in the lead for all of mankind. And, and He showed us how to live on the earth. And that's why we've got to understand His life and what He actually accomplished for us so that we're not living beneath what He paid for for us to live in. 
He himself likewise shared in the same that through death, everybody say death. Say it again. Say it one more time. Everybody say it together and I'm going to say it with you. Ready? Death. Say it again. Death. I want you to think about that word. Okay? I want you to think about what that word means. Because what we're talking about today, the, the kind of the subtitle to our series today in this message, is the fear of death. The fear of death. Being afraid of death. So to understand that, we've got to define what death is, and I, and I want to show you here in this passage. He himself likewise shared in the same that through death, his death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now man, that's really plain, okay? Let, 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 let's read that, let's look at that. So his death destroyed the one who had the power of death, which was the devil. Now, I'm going to read a scripture to you in a minute, but I'm going to tell you this up front. Death is not from God. Well, but everybody dies. That's not the way it was. God, it didn't originate that way. Death entered when sin entered. I'm going to show you in the Scripture. The Scripture is very clear that death is not from God. I've been in many hospital rooms, many um, retirement homes, in people that were passing, that were leaving this earth. I've sat with people that had terminal diseases, I've taken people to cancer treatment things that had terminal diseases. And to this day, to this day, I've never met one person that really wanted to die. Not really. I've met people that gave up. I've met people that were tired in the fight. I've met people in a lot of different ways, but I've never met someone that really wanted to die. You know why? Because you weren't created to die. Death was not part of the plan. When God created Adam and Eve, He created them forever. And the reason that Jesus came to the earth was to bring a second birth so that we could live forever in eternity with God. So that our end result wouldn't be destruction. Our end result would be in the presence of God. And that's what Jesus paved the way for to get us back where we were before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. But death was not what your body was created for. And people, you, people, you know, that's why the older that you get in age, so often you still feel like you're 20. You know? I'm 56 and I still feel like I'm 20. It's just at times, there's times 
when my body won't quite do what it was, did when I was 20, but I'm going to make it do it. You know what I'm saying? Because, because death isn't in, it's not a part of my makeup. We've been, we've been sold the lie that you're fixing to die. Pastor, you mean that we're not going to die? I didn't say that. But you have to understand the process that we live in. What happened with Adam and Eve is something that started, that was stopped with Jesus, but the effects of it in the natural are still there. But they're, they're still the result of sin, not the result of God. Amen? So, this can be really good at the end. <clears throat> Just got to lay some foundation for it. That he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who's those. That's us, right? That's everybody. To release those who through fear of death... Those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Title of my message this morning is The Fear of Death. Understanding the fear of death. Understanding how that fear and death are tied together. And based on this scripture right here, that when you're in fear of death... We're going to explain what death is. When you're in fear of death, that you're in bondage. And Jesus liberated us from bondage. But the fear of death brings bondage that keeps us from fulfilling the things that God intended for us to fulfill on planet earth. Jesus established certain things through what He sacrificed for at Calvary. What he accomplished and, and accomplished now at the, has accomplished at the right hand of the Father and is representing us, but the fear of death will keep that from really manifesting and happening. So we've got to understand this. Can you say amen? So I want to read two other passages and give, give a little bit of definition here, and then I'll then I'll bring it to a, to a conclusion. Um, let's look at Romans 5. And I wanna, I've said a lot, and now I want to I answer some of what I've said with what the Word says. Romans 5 and verse 12. That's why it's so important that you listen to things like this, or you take notes, or you go back and listen to the message again. You can... You can all, download for free any of our messages uh, on, you go to gatesofthecity.org on, online. Um, you can download the messages or just listen to them. But it's important that you listen to these things and take the notes and do something with the word that you hear. If you don't do anything with the word that you hear, just hearing it won't do anything for you. So verse 12 of Romans 5 says this, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and that one man would be Adam, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Watch this. Let's read this verse again. Therefore, 
just as through one man sin entered the world, and when, when did death come? Death came after the sin. You see, death is an enemy to God. It was not God's plan for death. Not for you and me. His plan for us is life. That's why we didn't need the tree. You think about it, if you just know how good God is, why would you have to know how bad something else is? Yeah, but we think we need to know. Well, bless God, Pastor, I've got to listen to the news because I've got to know what's going on. Think about if you didn't listen to all the bad things that are going on and all you did was meditate on the good. People would go through all kinds of crisis and you just kind of go right through it. Because you're not, you're not inundated with all the negative. God created us that way. He created us to not live in the knowledge of good and evil. He created us for good. But since we're in this thing, we have to deal with it. Okay, We're in, we're in this cycle, so we have to deal with it. But I'm just telling you, God didn't create you for death. He created you for life. Just as through Adam, in other words, sin entered the world, then death through that sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned because of Adam. Verse 13, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. And he talks about from Adam to Moses, And then verse 15 says, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more, everybody say much more, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man Jesus Christ abounded to many. That's what we're talking about in Hebrews 2. He who had the power of death, that was the devil, Jesus came to destroy him. Not just play around with him, but destroy him. He came to destroy the power that the fear of death had over men to keep men in bondage. Now, there's other definitions for the word death, but one of the main and the strongest definitions for the word death is the word, one word, separation. And that's what we're going to focus on. In, in the rest of this message, and in, in, in a couple more messages, we'll talk some more about this. But the word that, that best defines the word death is separation. Why were Adam and Eve afraid in the garden? Because, I mean, you, you stop and think about it. If you, if you read chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis, you, you get this feeling of the fact that God and Adam... And Eve had relationship. I mean, the Bible says that God gave Adam the power to name the animals. So, can't you kind of see God walking in the cool of the morning with Adam? And saying, you know, that big old hairy looking thing right there, what are we going to call him? Uh, Let's call him an ape. Okay. And so they go to the next animal and the next animal. Adam named all the animals. 
God created the animals and Adam named them. They had relationship, they had fellowship, they had connection with each other. And then all of a sudden, Adam sins, he disobeys, he does the only thing that God told him not to do, and something has changed. Boom, there's a separation. Why is he hiding? God's asking him. God wasn't asking Adam where he was like he didn't know where he was. He was asking him, okay, where are you? Where, what were you thinking? What are you doing? Why are you hiding? Who told you you were naked? Fear did. And now what they're afraid of is that something's happened and they've been separated from God. And sure enough, for 4,000 years, God's creation was separated from Him. God so loved the world, He so loved the sinner, that He spent 4,000 years preparing to redeem mankind back to Himself. Come on. 4,000 years He spent with a plan to redeem mankind. And it said in Hebrews 2 that He destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil, that had mankind in bondage. Now, we're not in bondage anymore. Now we've been liberated through the blood of Jesus. And whom the Son sets free is free. And I'm telling you today that in your relationship with God, as you draw closer to God, God will hear the things that you say, and He will deliver you of all your fears because He's already delivered you of all fear. Hmm? Before the foundation of the world is, was your provision. Before you were even thought about, God provided for everything that you would ever need ever in life, and it's already there. And the thing that keeps us from receiving is fear. And the levels of fear are staggering sometimes. There's a, there's a verse of Scripture in, um, it, I think it's, it's uh, Matthew 6 and, I don't know, in the 20s. 21, 2, or 3, somewhere in there. And it says this. And it's talking about your conscience. It says, if the light that is in you, the light of Jesus that's in you, if that light is darkened, question is how deep is the darkness that's in you if you're born again your spirit man is liberated and free but your soul your mind will and emotions are being saved they're being set free they're being delivered of all past stuff in our lives and that ongoing soulish salvation i'm not talking about spiritual salvation if you've accepted jesus christ as your savior then you're born again you've been born a second time and everything that Jesus paid for for us is available in our lives. But if we don't renew our minds and we don't change the way that we think, your thinking will keep you from embracing what God has already paid for for you. Because I'm telling you, it's already done. We've already been set free. Fear has no dominion over us today because of the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? So we have to stay in a place... And stay constant in a place of getting closer to God 
so that fears have no dominion. Some of the fears that I was talking about that people struggle with. Well, you just interject whatever it could be with you. Anybody ever had fear of heights? I have. And I mean, I've had to, I've had to, I've had to look at that fear eyeball to eyeball, and I'm going to do it. When I first moved to town, Becky and I first moved here in Kerrville, I was working with, a, with some painters. And uh, so I, I learned how professionally to paint, and we painted new houses. And I don't know why they hired me, but, but they did. <laughs> but, but I learned anyway. They taught me how to paint. And, uh, and so um, one day I came to work, and they said, well, we, we took on this job of redoing a roof. And I said, I thought you guys were painters. Yeah, we are, but we're, we're going to do this roofing job. We're going to hire it out, but we're going to have to help. <laughs> I thought, okay. So we go to this house. It's got triple, it has triple layers of cedar shingles on this roof. We've got to tear all the cedar shingles off that roof. It's in July. It's about... 95 on the ground and about 105 on top of that roof. So we, you know, spent I don't know how many days pulling those things off. And then when we pulled all that off, then there's just the framing of the roof. And so now we've got to put the plyboard back on top of that, you know. And one of the guys that was, was an actual roofer, I mean, he just walking those boards like it was nothing. I'm, I'm like this, you know, and like feeling dizzy and walking from one to the next and come on, hurry up. You know, he's got one end of the plywood and I got the other and I'm trying to walk that roof. And, you know, I mean, I'm just gripped with what? Fear. Gripped. And uh, at that moment, I just, I just determined I'm going to do this. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm going to overcome this fear. And I worked and I worked and I hated it and I still worked and I hated it. And, and, and I mean, it was, it was exhausting, not the physical work, dealing with the fear and addressing the fear. But when I got through with that job, fear became less where heights were concerned. I didn't say it was over with, but it became less. And other situations where I had to deal with it and continue to deal with it. And, and even, even to this day, like on a high ladder or something, if I'm on the top of a ladder, I mean, that thing tries to, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to do it because fear has no dominion over my life, right? And, and that's where, that's what we have to see. We have to see what Jesus gave us to overcome fear. All dominion that was given to Adam and Eve, Jesus brought the dominion back to us so that we can liberate ourselves from the fear of death. Because if you're up on top of a roof and you have issues with, with the fear of heights, it's like you're separated from your relationship with God. It's like, I don't know if God will help me get over this. I don't know. You know, there's the fear of that. It's the fear of the separation. And that's what the death is. It's like God's not big enough to help you overcome this. Someone might say, well, you know, why do I need to overcome that? I'm just going to stay off of roofs. No, because then we're giving into it. Well, I'm, you know, I've always been afraid of the dark. Always. Have to leave a light on, have to leave this on, have to leave this TV on, have to, I, I'm just afraid of the dark. Okay? 
What's the best way to learn how to not be afraid of the dark? Turn out the light. Oh, I can't do that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, we've got to apply the Word at situations that try to overcome in our lives. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. There's different levels of fear, and the level of fear in your life is what bothers you. So if Brian over there tells me he's afraid of something, and I say, well, at least I'm not afraid of that. Don't judge what anybody else is afraid of. Don't don't be critical of it, because everybody faces some form of fear. Because we were born into it. We can thank Adam and Eve for that. We were born into the fear. Right? So, because we were born into it, we have to deal with it, but we're not dealing with it in our own ability. We're dealing with it with the authority that Jesus has given us. He destroyed it. He liberated us from bondage. And now God's saying, don't stay in bondage. Don't stay controlled by those fears. Get rid of them. And who gets rid of them? I do. I have to get rid of those. Look at um, 1 Corinthians 15. This is, this is a really good verse of Scripture that really defines what we're talking about. Verse 54. <clears throat> So when this corruptible, this body, has put on incorruptible, and this mortal has put on on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in what? Victory. So, in the New Testament, this is an Old Testament quote, but in the New Testament, How is the Apostle Paul saying this? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Look what what the answer is to it. Well, verse 56 says, The sting of death is sin. In other words, death had the ability to have power or legs to it because of the sin in the garden. And the strength of sin is the law, but... Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory, where? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when was death swallowed up in victory? The victory that we receive through Jesus Christ. And and what I'm saying is this. Don't get off in your mind like me saying that you're not going to pass. That you'll never be, there'll never be a casket for you because you're going to live forever. Don't get off in what I'm saying there. What God's attempting to do is get people's mind off of dying and get their minds on living. That's what he's trying to do. So it's kind of like Paul saying here, okay, what are the words here? Okay, hey death, where's your sting? Absence from this body is in the presence of the Lord. There's no sting from death. But we, if we live that way day to day, if we're afraid that, that we're going to get in a car accident and die, there's the fear of death. If we're afraid if we fly in an airplane that that airplane's going to crash. You, you realize that all that an airplane knows to do is fly? 
Airplanes were not created to crash. Okay, we're going we're gonna to let this wing just kind of hang here so that this thing will... No, they created them to fly. Everybody say, fly. fly. They didn't create them to crash. So who came up with crash? The devil. Trying to convince you, you know, that you're going to be the one in a million that crash and die in an airplane. Because you've heard of crashes... And you've heard of airplanes being taken out because we live in a fallen world and there's things going on. But should that be where our focus is? I didn't say don't have compassion for people that have died in airplane crashes or anything else. But because other people died in airplane crashes, are you going to let the fear of death control whether you live or die? The Bible's real clear that the things that you most greatly fear will come upon you. That's why we've got to be rid of fear. Because in the same way, and this is how faith and fear is so much alike, or, or the part of it, this, they're, they're not completely alike, but they're similar. And in this way, in this way, this is where faith is like the things that you most greatly faith will come on you. Praise the Lord. Yeah, come on. Why would we want to mess with any kind of fear whatsoever? But who is the understood subject that is responsible for getting rid of fear? Me. I'm responsible for getting rid of fear in my life through the power of the Holy Spirit and of the Word of God that God gave me as a result of what Jesus accomplished at Calvary. So it's not me getting rid of it in my own ability, it's me getting rid of it in the power and the dominion that God gave me. And acknowledging that and giving the fear of death no place. Being afraid of heights and allowing it to remain in your life can cause all kinds of other fears to rule, or whatever the fear is. Being afraid of the dark and allowing it to remain. Being afraid that you can't drive on that side of town. Listen, if wisdom tells you not to drive on that side of town, don't drive on that side of town. But don't not drive somewhere because of fear. I know a guy, personally, that is afraid of big cities, but would not and will not go to New York City. Because of how many people get shot in New York City. He will not go to New York City in terror of going to New York City. If you're supposed to be in New York City, that's the safest place for you. If you're supposed to be in Iran, that's the safest place. You know why? Because the angels of God encamp around about you and they protect you in all your ways. They bear you up in their hands lest anything would come against you, no matter what it is, if you believe that. But if you're supposed to go to Iran and all you're meditating on are the videos of people's heads that have been cut off and all kinds of, well, they're going to do that to me. Why would I go there? we got to get rid of those things. I'm not saying go to places and be stupid and not use wisdom, but don't use fear. Fear is not from God, and God will never speak to you in fear. Don't go there, you're going to die! It's not God. Never. Did you hear what I said? That is never God. 
Never, not once has it ever been God. He will never speak to you in fear. He speaks to us through a still, small voice on the inside. And if He's telling you not to go somewhere because it's not good for you, don't go. But it's not because of fear. We've been trained to be motivated by fear. Oh, I woke up in the night. I was just sweating out. I can't go tomorrow. Why? I don't know. I just can't. I'm afraid. And I'm not, I'm, listen, I'm not making fun of anybody. How many have been in fear in their lives? Everybody raise your hand. I got both hands up. Not only have I been in fear of things, I've been in dread. Dread is fear. Have you ever had to go somewhere to someone's office? I can remember I was in the ninth grade. And uh, I wasn't the best little guy, you know. And, uh, oh yeah. And um, so we did a couple things, me and several of my cohorts and we did a few things we shouldn't have done over and over and over and over and over again. And so in fifth hour, which was math, we got sent to the office. And so uh, that was in the day when they had a big paddle and they wore your hind backside out. So <laughs> the guy said, who wants to go first? I said, he does. <laughs> so I let my other four guys go first. And so I was last. And then he broke the paddle on me. And I just so happened to have shop in the sixth hour. And he gave me the paddle and he said, go fix it in your shop class. (laughs) But the dread walking down the hall for those paddles. Why? Because I sinned. (laughs) I did wrong. And I knew it. Right? And what I felt like, what I felt, what I was in fear of was I was separated from being able to be consoled or get out of this situation because I was done wrong. See, I was separated from that because I did wrong. They they weren't accusing me unjustly. They accused me of what I did. And there was no help. And I'm telling you, God is your help. And no matter how many things we've done wrong, no matter how many things that we deserve, Jesus liberated us and set us free. And He's kept us from receiving anything that would rightfully belong to us because of our mistakes. God will even cause your mistakes to prosper as you draw close to Him. And as you allow yourself to be delivered from all fear. Every fear that continues to remain is hindering your advancement and the blessing of God on your life. For you to increase and to be blessed. Because God cannot mix His presence and His Spirit with the spirit of fear. They don't mix. They don't work together. And yet, God's already accomplished everything that you will ever need in life... He's healed you, He's delivered you, He's prospered you, He's liberated you in every single way. Everything's already provided. The provision is already there in every way. And what stands between us is the fear of death. And yet, He destroyed the fear of death. 
So all the enemy has against you is what he can lie to you about in your soul. And if he can get you in your soul and get you to believe the lies, then he has you. And yet, he's defeated. (laughs) I'm telling you, he's defeated. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ, who gives us the victory in Christ. Death and the fear of death is swallowed up and was swallowed up in the victory of Calvary. So you and I don't have to be afraid or in fear of anything ever again. And I want to leave you with this verse. John 14. This is how that you not cope with fear, but that you deal with fear. In other words, anything that you're free of, you have to replace it with something else. Anything that you get free, when you get free of fear of a certain thing, it's got to be replaced with something else. And this is what you replace it with. And this is what Jesus gave you. John 14 and verse 27. Let's read it together. Or just look at it together. Peace I leave with you. Ooh. My peace. I give to you. Not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Watch this. Let not your heart be troubled. One of the words that that troubled is, is dreadful. Now let your heart be in dread or dreadful. Neither let it be afraid. Who's going to keep your heart from being in dread? You. Who's going to keep you from being afraid? Did he not say that? Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be afraid. It's my responsibility. Can I do that? With the peace of God, you can do anything. And I'm telling you, He's already given you the peace. It's already there. If you're born again, the peace of God is in you. And listen, it's not just any peace. It's not like the world gives. Because there's conditions tied to it. His peace, listen to it. His peace is unconditional. And His peace is tried and true. As the Son of Man... It's been tested and tried. And you know what? (laughs) It works. Every time. Every time. Oh man, I just, I dread going to that place. But you know, Lord, oh Lord, those people called the other day and I've got to go talk to this person. And man, I I just feel this overwhelming dread. But Lord, you know what? I'm choosing not to receive that. And in the name of Jesus right now, I receive the peace, the peace of Jesus that was given to me. I receive that peace. And, and I thank you for that peace to overcome me and overtake me right now. And I, and I give fear no place in my life. And the peace of God is ruling. And I'm, I, I will handle this situation. And I will overcome in this situation. And, and fear will not have place in me. That's the way you deal with it. 
You have to take what you hear and then do something with it. But every situation is going to be different. But what's not different is the peace. Every situation is going to be different. And how you handle every situation is going to be different. But the peace will always be the same. And if you will allow the peace to replace the fear and the dread, it will work for you every single time. Every time that I allow the peace to overcome me, there's no dread or fear of evil. No dread or fear of death or separation. I know God's with me right there. See, the separation part is feeling like God's not there. I can't overcome this, so I'm trying to work it out myself. And, and what ends up happening is you don't work the dread out, the situation out, and you feel even more separated from God. And that's where the devil has you. That's where the devil has humanity. You, me, any, I don't, I don't care who it is. These are principles that work for whoever will put them to work. And the word is true. <clears throat> Um, during this season this Christmas season next week I'm going to read this the story the difference in the story of Zacharias and the story of Mary Zacharias who was the father of John and Mary who was the mother of Jesus who birthed Jesus they were both visited by an angel, and one was afraid, and one was confused, and then believed. And I want to show you, next week we'll, we'll talk about this, because I want to talk about how the beginnings of how you and I have been liberated started the day that Mary said, so be it according to your word. If that's what's supposed to happen at 16 years old, she said, then if that's what is supposed to happen from God, then so be it. And the fears and the cares and the dread and all the things that bombarded her mind, she overrode those and she declared with her mouth, so be it, Lord, according to your word. So we're going to look at that and talk about it.